episode is sponsored by Pop Culture Gourmet Popcorn at popculturepops.com. That's pops with a Z. Because to be white in 1963, and I would argue still today, is to have the luxury, the privilege, if you will, of not having to know black and brown truth. You can be oblivious to the reality of people of color and suffer no consequence. Very, very segregated country. Millions of white Americans live in places where they rarely see anyone of a different race. You're listening to Your Neighborhood, a podcast for uncomfortable culture conversations, specifically about race. Do your thing, Christina and Jackie. You need to put some lemon and honey in your throat. Okay. All right, we'll make it happen, Captain. Thanks. But what's good? Okay, so it's good in my head. Um, well, I we were you know talking before, and I was like, well, I've been sick, so I haven't really done that. Ain't no good. (laughs) But the one good thing that happened this week is I finally found a great therapist, and I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to have insurance. I'm grateful to have access. (laughs) That's not a joke. No, people don't have that, and for a while I didn't. So, anyway, um, so yes, I love my therapist. This is funny. So I've dated. I say dated. I feel like finding a therapist is like dating. It is. Because it's just like, you know, it's awkward. You go in these first sessions. And um, so my therapist is so great because I bring a little notebook. You know, I like to be prepared. And I've had therapists before look at me like, are you serious? Like I want, so I like the, I like homework. I like my therapist to give me handouts. (laughs) And the last one I went, the one I went to before this one was like, I just do a free flowing. We just talk, and I'm like, no, I need a plan. <laughs> and so this therapist was so. She's like, I'm gonna give you homework, and I'm sitting there like, yes, like the nerd in school. And she's like, you're easily becoming one of my favorite clients. I was like, yeah, because I love this stuff. I'm gonna have a three ring binder, and I'm gonna hole punch it all. I'm gonna keep my worksheets. And she's like, that is amazing. I was like, yeah. I love therapy because, look, I love it because it helps me grow and be a better person. Uh-huh. And so anyway, it was nice to bond with this therapist because she's like, well, I love clients like you because people don't sometimes don't like to take that seriously. Yeah. And she's like, they won't do the work that I give them. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm going to do all of it and come back ready to go. <laughs> so anyway, it was nice because it's nice when you bond with somebody, yeah. you know what I mean? And, and I just really, really like her. And so that's nice. And it's good for your health. It's such good for my health. I love it. And well, she gets paid to do it, but that's okay. That's yes. the kind of paid, yes. paid relationship that you want. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just taken, it's going to be a couple of years since I moved to find a good therapist. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, I love therapy because I'm always about growing. Mm-hmm. Like I go even when... I'm no, not okay. You know what I mean? Like, or when I'm okay, because I'm like, if I have the time and the, you know, ability to do it, I go because I'm always like evolving. You know what I mean? Can you, Mm -hmm. how can you not? And so, um, yeah, so I love going and I just love growing. And I told her that she's like, you like therapy. I'm like, absolutely. I'm choosing to go. Like, no one's forcing me. It's hard to find a good therapist. It's hard. That's why, that, that's why that's what's good in my hood. Cause it's so hard. I'm kind of jelly cause I'm still looking for a good therapist. I think I've been at it. How old am I? God dang. Are you 34? I've been at, in and out of therapy for 17 years. Oh, my God. It's funny you say that because she's like, so um, how many therapists have you seen? I straight up laughed. I was like, 20? And she <laughs> laughed. And she's like, are you kidding? I'm like, no. no. I've, been, I've been in therapy since I was like 13, yeah. 12 maybe. And she just looked at me and I was like, hey. I was like, Listen, I don't remember. I know I'm not crazy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I like. I don't remember. I couldn't remember them all. She's yeah. like. So I listed the the but ones. But I can tell you adult. how many good ones. I yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I can remember the ones as an adult. But she was like wanted an extensive list. I was like, I can't go back that far. My brain doesn't remember. Brain doesn't I remember as an adult. But anyway, I thought it was funny. She's like twenty. I'm like, oh, easily. I mean, I've been in therapy 17 years, she said, so I've been since I was, like, 12. So oh, wow. I didn't start going to therapy until I was an adult. Really? I yeah. started as 12 or 13. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it was voluntary then, too. Nice. So I've always liked it. I like, it's not just talking about, I like to learn. I, li- I, th- I like psychology. I thought about being a therapist because yeah. I like people. Um, yeah, so I just, I like learning and I like talking. And I usually, once I bond with a therapist too, it becomes fun for me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not always fun, but 
I like you to look forward to it even. I do look forward to it. I do because I always come out better and I become a stronger person and I and it just always adds to whatever's going on in my life. Yeah. So I've even used some of the things I've learned in therapy in our work. So same here. Yeah. So that's what's good in my head. I also need to apologize for my voice. Why? Why apologize? Because it's embarrassing. Listen, did you do it on purpose? No. No apologies. Oh, thank you. I'm working on that too. You do it on purpose. You didn't. I'll bring that up in therapy. (laughs) Why do I feel the need to apologize for everything? Oh my goodness, it's the life that we live. Yes, as females, I feel like we get for that's a whole other conversation. What's good in your hood? Oh my gosh. Well, there's just I've just been. I feel like I've been on a non-stop go, 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 because there's always been something to do. Um, I don't know if it's what's good in my hood, but today was my first um, meeting with the executive board for my Civic League. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm president of the Civic League, it makes it very interesting, and I feel like it's going to get, it's, it's going to get tight before there's some space. What does that mean? What do you that mean? That I think that a lot of people are going to be very tight with how much they want to do mm. or how much they want to um, transform into a more, until the new digital age or whatever you want to mm, call it. Because they're older and you're so like, Yeah, and I don't even think it's that. I just think that um, a lot of, we have half of the board has been a part of this organization for many, many years. Mm-hmm. 16 old guard yeah and so when i come and it's either you know um we try that or you know i was like that's okay i'm charismatic i learned that i just i affirmed myself with that today i was like you're very charismatic because i can i can see when people are like doing that i really don't want to be my i really want to be happy with you but you're just i'm gonna be happy with you so I can see I, I the, what's good in my actual neighborhood is, is that I think I see a way forward and it's going to be a lot of um, it is going to I'm going to be able to exercise my um, my group think group cooperation skills which I don't know that I've had to do it in this form in, a, in quite some time maybe since student council no no in the Navy yeah, I was gonna say student council. That's a long time ago. Yeah, student council. Yeah, student council president. But no, in um... surprise, surprise. <laughs> Sorry. And <laughs> uh, homecoming queen, but I hated that. Were you really? Yes. I was ten no. votes away. Ten really? Yeah. I didn't. I hate. It was the one thing that my mother Me showed too. up for. No, I hated it. I didn't want to be on the court, and then like I didn't even wear my stupid crowns. I didn't even wear my crown. So like, if you look back at our pictures, I'm the only one. I wore no joke. Did you get a crown? I have a crown. Yeah, I don't know where it is. My sat. Let me tell you the sash that I had to wear. I colored it our school colors. Okay. I had people sign and write all over it. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, and I don't know where it is. Then I got my crown, but when they walked down for um, the court. Because I was hosting the assembly. So yeah. then when it came to do the court, I had to have somebody else come in and host the, the school assembly so I could go change my clothes. I did not wear a gown like all the other girls did. I wore... Of course. <laughs> I wore jeans and a nice sweater. Good for you. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, you are so terrible. It wasn't that I hated it. Let me just say that because I'm very grateful to the people in my school that felt like I don't know what the I don't know what the prizes of being homecoming queen is, but I know that meant that a lot of people thought that I should be the queen. Yeah, so it was like a compliment. Yes, yeah. there you go. And I've learned you to look at not it that way. exactly. You you can appreciate that. Yes, I can. <laughs> but just like the, the girls are really like. Mad and oh stuff. my god! I that you got it because I went through that kind of stinker, man. Not all of them. Oh. Not all of them. Oh my just, god! I had girls that were, were like, just kind of like spite, and I was just like, "It's me, okay, me it's too." Okay. I but got that. Like, like we're, we're cool about. Well, they were like, "How could?" Oh my god, Christina! Why did she? People don't even like her, and I remember like being like, "I don't give. I don't, I don't care. Take my crown." Like yeah. I just wrote anyway. But I enjoyed it. I yeah. ended up enjoying it. But what I said, what I mean is that. um I've been out of the Navy for five, oh, it'll be six years at the end of the month. And I have not really had to lead other, anything other than a household mm-hmm. very seriously. Right, so right. I'm really excited to exercise that muscle and to get people. That's a skill set of yours that you have. Yeah. It, I'm, it, and it's, it hasn't, 
outside of little people, I haven't really had to exercise them. So I'm excited for that. That's what's really good in my hood. And then great things are going to happen in my neighborhood. So that I makes me that. really excited. Yeah. Civics, yeah. I wish the, pe- the people that listen to the podcast could see your house. You're like the fun house on the block. It's true. It it's is. bright green, everybody. <laughs> well, okay, not the whole house. <laughs> that makes it pretty so green. Funny. The green and white house. It yeah. is definitely. It's like a, lo- a white I can't green. think. It's called, it's a key, it's a key lime green or something yeah. like that. I, yeah. I know the color is particular green. Yeah. Yeah, it's a green. Yeah. Um, but in all this, I'm going to try to make sure that I take care of my social and emotional and physical health. Good for you. Just as you are. Yep. And that's kind of what we talk about, too, is about health and the disparities oh yeah for oh yeah medical racism yeah what is that and what is disparities in health we um i read an article about maternal um death rates between black and white women and we dive into what that looks like and there's a huge disparity i had no idea yeah we talk about preconceived like biases and how biases can show up yeah um in the medical like in like in the medical but thank you. I can't think of a word. It's okay. In the, in the medical and healthcare thank you. industry. My brain's like a little <laughs> bit slower. But um, yeah. Yeah. So I had not thought about that previously. But, you know, like you always say, bias can show up anywhere. It walks into the room. Yeah, it can show up anywhere. And so it's very interesting to see um, the training or lack thereof um, that happens in the medical field as yeah. it pertains to different um, racial um socioeconomic yeah. um or even um um spiritual religious sort of level. Yeah. You know what that brings up and I'll be quick about it is that one of the things I know I just thinking about it when I took my daughter to the hospital for the first time here locally, they asked us specifically, um, they did a, like a test with the for me and my husband about words like words that we could pronounce it was really interesting what no no it wasn't it wasn't anything like it wasn't anything rude but i think it was to make sure that they gave us literature that we could understand and things that yeah yes i was like this is so smart how many times did people get sent home with something that they probably have no concept or it was i don't remember what it was but it was a thing to fill out and it was like i knew what it was doing but and some people might not know. Might know just with the t- yeah. That's, so. Well, it's interesting. It's smart though. Yeah, it's smart. It was smart, but yeah, we talk about this disparity and stuff. So we hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah, and definitely get in that talk about it. Like talk. What What does that look like? Yeah. In Have you your- experienced it if you're a person oh, of color? Yes. As, I mean, not want to hear, but that would be. Yeah. Or if you're in the medical profession, regardless of race, are you having these conversations? Yeah. Have you felt, and and socioeconomically, because we talked about education levels and things like that, have you felt that that bias in the medical field? Because that can be one, people already don't want to go to the doctor, and they definitely don't want to go to the doctor and feel like they're less than either, or that the person might not give them good care just because of who or what they are. Right. what they believe in right and shout out to the doctors that deal with racist patients yeah think about that it, it goes, goes both ways it goes both ways it definitely goes both ways about that. have to deal with the other side of things right yeah alright so we're dropping in we hope yeah, you guys enjoy tune in okay uh, okay hello Jackie. And it's Christina. And we're your neighbor's hood. <laughs> we are. We are. Well, we got to glare in your glasses. Oh, here, I can, no, no, no. I you can, can leave see. them on. No, I can, I can see. It's fine. Oh, no. I was going to close have to the read. window. Like, when I'm reading for long periods of time, my eyes get straight. They get straight. I'm 30. I need glasses now. Yeah. So, today... Yeah, so today we are talking about um, medical racism, in particular what it means, like maternal death rates for black women. Yeah, so it, it, I will tell you this topic had me diving much deeper than maternal because it, 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 it forced me to try to look at the big picture of why we would even be at this point. Mm-hmm. And so for me, like looking at the article because this was based off of an article that yeah you that found. we read on NPR and it was interesting it, it kind of it just chronicled an older not older well she was like 36 I think when she gave birth mm-hmm. but a woman named I'm I might not I might pronounce it wrong it's Shaylon S-H-A-L-O-N mm-hmm. and um or Shaylon um and she 
was she had a, like a prestigious job, made great money. Um, she's African American and died after giving birth. So yeah. she gave birth and then died. And they were just talking about how that. So there's a statistic that says, according to the CDC, black mothers in the U.S. die at three to four times the rate of white mothers. One of the widest of all racial disparities in women's yeah. health. Um, and the article basically said, like this woman had access to the best healthcare. The best doctors. Um, she had support, and she still died. And she still what died. is that? Why did that happen? Yeah. And so to, to, to put, throw it in there, the article that you read and brought to the table was called Black Mothers Keep Dying After Giving Birth. Shalon uh, oh. Irving's story Shalon. explains why, and it was uh, written back in December of 2017. Yep. Um, by... Renee Montenegro, Montene, I want to say. Yeah. Definitely want to start shouting out um, these people that are writing these oh, articles that are causing great conversation. Yeah. That's so important. appreciate it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's by her and Nina Martin, uh, ProPublica, I believe. All they, heard on the, they were on the All Things Considered podcast. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, and so what brought you to this? What do you, what do you think? What? I think, well, another, I always like to tell stories and I think we had, it was back in the summer, but we had attended a workshop. Um, I think it was, it was like on race. I don't remember specifically, but it was about race and it was at Planned Parenthood. What? I wouldn't say where it was. Oh yeah. Thank you. Um, I'll cut that out. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay, so we... All right. <laughs> Back up. Thank you. Okay, so we had attended an event um, this summer about race. Jackie and I were together, and a woman had brought up um, medical racism, and she had brought up how women suffer, um, black women suffer a little bit more sometimes, often, mm-hmm. and, and the rates are much higher for just all... When it comes to health, there's disparities. And I'd never really heard of that before, and I never even thought about it. Um and the woman, I think she was, she was white and she was a nurse and she was saying that she saw racism like straight from her, from her nursing friends who, and the article details this and one, they think one of the reasons there's disparities is that, um, so white, so nurses, nursing is usually white females. It's just kind of what it is. And there's a they think they stereotype black women, so they think that. So I think that she was. I think that it, the comment she was making was more towards ph- physicians, mm. more so than the than nurses. The nurses. Yeah. yeah, because they, what's funny you bring that up is that I actually had to call a nurse friend of mine and be like, "Hey, is there anything in your um, training or anything where they talk about racism mm. medically or anything?" And she's like. Well, actually, we do talk about it a bit because I also, I think, I can't remember the article it was, but they were talking about how um, when it comes to nurses, that they have more in a, if, of a focus on the individual needs mm. of a person. And so you don't see the medical racism as prevalent with nurses than you do with physicians who have this whole, well, based Over on these RJ. studies, yep. based on these things and doing things and let, allowing those things sort of create and their own lived experiences becoming and creating biases on patients. And what she did say, I thought it was really interesting, was like um, she has had nurse pe- friends or, or not even friends, but coworkers that were like, hey, um, why are there all these people in the room? Or this lady is being lazy and wants me to pick up the baby and bring She was like, well, I learned in school, too, that a part of um, um, Asian and Indian culture, in Indian culture, it's very prevalent for them to have a lot of people in the room and to be this is the one time that the woman can be just taken care of whereas in an asian culture it is not looked highly upon to to um to feel to be like show pain and she's i preface this to say she's a labor and delivery nurse Mm -hmm. too and she's like just understanding the differences of when you walk into a room and understanding the cultural differences versus um with individuals and they taught they talked to them as nurses about that 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 it's your job to be a liaison for the patient with other folk right people outside of outside of that that's based on race Mm -hmm. yeah 
Yeah, well, I thought it was really different. interesting. Like, you know, they don't say racism, but they do have a course where it's identifying they cultural talk about differences. Race. Yeah. Cultural differences right. in nursing. I never thought about that. Well, and in childbirth. That's yeah. so interesting. Yeah, and she said it really is different. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm sure. She's like, There's cultural a, norms for everybody. When a, she's like, when a Filipino woman gives birth, it's everybody's there. <laughs> she's like, and you get nurses that may walk that's into that and get I don't want anybody there. <laughs> that mean, it's just, yeah, it's just different. It's different, yeah, yeah and understanding that. Well, and but, I think every woman's experience giving birth is different too. I think like what, what I read in this article was like a lot of it said, so there was a quote, she said, over and over again, black women told of medical providers who equated being African-American with being poor, uneducated, non-compliant, and unworthy. And then the woman was quoted saying, sometimes you know in your bones when someone feels contempt for you based on your race. Yeah. So they were saying that, you know, doctors, to your point, and anyone in the, not any and everyone, but a lot in the healthcare field, these African-American women were saying that they came into the room and the doctors already had stereotypes uh-huh. about them in place that impacted their care. Does yeah. that make sense? And I, yes, I can definitely, sorry, where am I going? Yeah, no, I no, that's see. okay. I can definitely speak to that in a sense of, I do I have had physicians that they've walked in the room and I've already felt like they had something right. against me. Well, Spe- now it's documented, like proven. <laughs> yeah, specifically when dealing with my migraines and, and even, um, you know, going through the process of getting diagnosed with fibromyalgia. Um, when I was dealing with the rheumatologist, she was very, very negative about, almost to a point where she was telling me, like, you're not in pain. Right. And like that's what they're not, saying. They're you're saying not, it's happened more often yeah, than not. Yeah, it wouldn't diagnose me. Right. I didn't even get the diagnosis until I separated my VA screening, separated me from the military. But she was of the school that she wow. just didn't care. And I, in her care, I found I was pregnant with my daughter. Oh, wow. Which was, I didn't know that. Which I was very grateful because then I didn't have to see the rheumatologist as right. much anymore. Right. Because you were pregnant. Yeah. yeah. But I could, you know, I could see where that perceived feeling of like, you don't even care what I have to say. Mm. You don't have my best interest in mind when you walk in but well along with your statistic I read that there's a disparity of uh that uh black that that disparity that you talk about is 243 percent black women more likely to die from pregnancy and childbirth related that's that disparity that's isn't that wild insane. that's a large that's, number well so another reason they said which I thought this was is interesting so an um, expanding to back what you were saying an expanding field of research shows that the stress alone of being a black woman in American society can take a physical toll during pregnancy and childbirth I mean I believe obviously I believe yeah. that but it's like this is NPR and they're saying like so the woman in this article preface it to say is interesting. She like she studied this. This was her life's work. She's mm-hmm. I for I sh- I should know and I can't remember exactly what her title was, but she studied disparities um and, and lived experiences and cities basically. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like what that was. And so what they're saying is, just the stress alone of being a African American woman was much worse than any other race. And so that played and huge it plays and played a huge impact um on having a child and one the the woman that was in this main article pointed out she said you know the stress alone of would i have a black son was just so stressful because and she was like praying to her like she just wanted a girl not because she just wanted a girl but she was like you know it she was stressed it'd be easier. out. Yeah, it'd and be then easier. right, it'd be easier. And then she was also a single mother, which um, was that's just how her life worked out. And um, so, just the stress of that alone was crazy hard on her body. And it and she passed away. And that's what they're showing. Like their studies showing that basically that like the lived just to live and be alive in America as a black woman yeah. is so extremely stressful that it has an impact. I mean, what do you think about that? Well, I, mean, I would think so. I. I can I can understand that stress as I went through with my son and then even more so because he's a part of that Trayvon Martin era of children growing up boys and yeah like I remember saying like I'm so happy I was so happy that it was a boy because I was like oh I don't want to do hair (laughs) I don't want to do hair but then in a sense it's like oh my god like what am I getting myself into like what and I will say a lot of my anxiety post they say that pregnancy is a litmus test for your body. It kind of lets you know what sort of stressors you will have or what your body is going to do later on in life. So if you have gestational diabetes, you have to really be mindful of that because that can be something that will come up later on. It's like, your again, your body being put to a litmus test. And with my son, 
I ended up migraines, like right after complex migraines got worse, right? So my migraines went from regular to complex, and then my body started shutting down on me. Oh, like, wow. it was It was a lot. And I don't know that a lot of that was... They, they asked me about my pregnancy. It was all related. Everything that they were treating me went back to, how was your pregnancy? How was this? How was that? So I could understand that stress, yeah. which is why stress management is so important. Right. Um, but I will say that uh, medical medical racism um, and as a whole is is definitely not even just not just with black women it's right and it's not just be, childbirth this is this yeah. is just the article that i was it, reading but it yeah is, it's it, it's wild um it, it's i it's i i don't i don't know why i've never we've never not we but um on a, some sort of level have never had these conversations and i'm very interested in the cultural training that physicians receive. Yeah, so that's part of what was interesting too is this article is pointing that out to say, unfortunately, now they're starting to do studies on this stuff and the importance of it and mm-hmm. training doctors um, to tr- to be aware of bias in their work, right? Mm-hmm. So there were people in this article that studied bias in all like in all forms of perf- like profession basically yeah, yeah, based yeah. on career and you know they hadn't they hadn't started they never even thought of studying bias in doctors and nurses um and then well, because because basically and this is where bias shows up because basically what does it say for much of american history these types of disparities were largely blamed on blacks okay right so we didn't even think we needed to study Bias. No, I don't have bias. It's just based on the way these people live. Yeah, you know what I mean. So yes. they would assume. I mean, it's hard the for worst. me to even say, but just they would. Yeah. Well, they would just say it was just like, oh, well, they don't eat right. They don't exercise. They, mm-hmm. the disparities are brought on by themselves. Yeah. So, it that alone, like that sort of deal, because you we can't ignore these studies right everybody's got to study for something yeah and it's like you know you are pre black people are predisposition uh, predisposed to having this disease or if you like there are certain things culturally that they do these studies on that is very confusing to hold i guess hold people accountable when you have these studies saying well this group of people is higher likely to you know like more likely to die from you know heart failure mm-hmm. or from whatever because there's studies that are based yeah. off of our ethnicity, right. right? And so that is that is the path that I went down, and I wrote this down because yeah. it's it's it it helped me as a person understand that this didn't just like a lot of these things weren't just like made up, weren't just like right. Uh, I'm so it says the contemporary idea contemporary idea of race is not based in nature or in biology but in the product of US colonization and slavery right so the idea of race did not come because race is not a biological thing we can't assume that um it, it's it's a, we know that it's a social construct not a biological construct right and so where there was an, during that time of colonization and slavery, there was like this desire to make sure that we profited from agriculture and um, settlers obviously wanted more slaves to be able to be successful at agriculture. And the ideas of of having freedom and equality were in the Declaration of Independence, but also at the same token kind of legitimized Slavery, mm. right, and justified mm-hmm. it. I promise you, I'm getting somewhere with yeah. this. Um, and especially institutional racism, it was needed. Like they needed it in order to be successful at. Um, at, at farming, oh, I see what you're saying. Right. Yeah. So to increase the their ability to have large, cheap labor force, and so then what happens? The rights of blacks and other people of color that were lim- eliminated, and this is what is like. Uh, started the history and the continued beliefs that minority people, non-white people, are diseased populations with lowered mental right. abilities. And then, wow. yeah, so the I idea, of, yeah, that's what I was like. Why is it this way? Is that that's oh, good, so I've got to say that these people are not. They are less than. They are not. They are. They are diseased people. It even brought up eugenics. by nature of how they were born. Yes. Yeah. 
So I didn't even know that the United States got into eugenics. Yeah, before, we got into it before Nazis. Before did. Nazis did, yeah. and you probably. I do. I'm interested. Yeah. I'm interested. Very interested in that stuff. Yeah, we started it before they did. Yeah, we started it with sterilizing. I, who did we? I can't remember who you might remember, but ster- we sterilized. Was it the mentally ill? Well, so yeah, the mentally ill, the poor. Yeah. Um, it even went so far as even in, um, where there was a point in the. 60s or so when they had steer well actually they were sterilizing people of color and poor poor folks and at one point back in I think it started in the early 1900s 1910s-ish by a guy named um, gosh I can't think of his name did I write his name down I don't know um, but he um, they had sterilized 20, 20 to 4 20 to 25% of the Native American women mm. population. And if you don't know what eugenics is, <laughs> yeah. so, it, it was a means to kind of protect a superior race's yeah. offspring. So it's like um, what the what the what America was trying to do was to get rid of pe- people that were poor can were considered to have bad offspring and people that were disabled or mentally, mentally Ill, Ill or if you were a criminal or if you were a color they were sterilizing so you couldn't reproduce <laughs> yes and and trying to create the perfect sort of most acceptable form of offspring yeah wow which is <laughs> Which makes sense. And also, it's part, right. And that's part of a narrative, too. It makes sense if you have to you have to create a narrative for yourself that they're less than, right? So, like, right. you have to create the narrative that people um, are responsible for their own health. Because if you don't... It, <laughs> If you don't go with that, then you have to look. It's it's a scapegoat for me. You don't have to look at the wider systemic racism. You know what I mean? Like, we don't have to... It's an out for us. We don't have to dig deeper as white people and say, wait a minute, maybe the African-American community has all like health disparities because of the lived experience and because how stressful it is to live here. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Well, it, like, it started in the beginning. Exactly. Of being here, of right. saying right. you're less than. And then... Because there is that stereotype that African-Americans, you know... We just don't take care of yeah. ourselves. We're less... Yeah. yeah. But this stuff is hard for me to talk about because I know it. <laughs> I've heard it. Yeah. They're but, overweight. They're lazy. They're... But you have to know that the systems were put in place to keep people less than. That's so, what I'm trying to say. Even you're eugenics, helping me say it. That's what I'm there saying. There was laws like, that were being right. passed right. by they had this map that I looked at and I'll have to share that showed here are the states who have accepted the eugenics laws mm. here are the ones are um, that are I wish I had saved it that are in the process of accepting this whole the government mm-hmm. then you couple that with segregated hospitals right right yeah, and, that right down. yeah. you couple that with segregated hospitals um, that wouldn't even that wouldn't even see look that wouldn't they? They didn't. Wouldn't, hospitals didn't even integrate until nineteen sixty four. Nineteen sixty four. Okay. And so that and that's why you heard me talking to my mom. Like, when did you? When, she was born in sixty two. Wow. Okay. So it's like, are you? You know. So the thing about it is, is that black people, and specifically, because we are talking about race here, were looked at as teaching material, mm-hmm. not as patients. Oh wow. Yeah. I never thought about that. And and no, like see, I was like, that's crazy. Is that? Black patients couldn't get care at regular hospitals with regular physicians, but they could go to the medical schools and they can get they could get care and as a That's teaching. That's like Mengele. That's literally like you know who Mengele is. No, he was the Nazi doctor. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. It's the same thing. He treat he looked at people not as people but as, as, subjects. They, as subjects to experiment on. Yeah, you can dehumanize of, them exactly instead of caring for a person and their con- yeah. And so then it's very similar. It, it's. It's not. <laughs> it's similar t- type of thinking. And when I say Mangala, that's like he's literally one of the most evil people in the entire world, in the history of the world. Like li- ch- killing children. I mean, we don't have to get into all that. But yeah. yeah. Um, but it comes with this idea of dehumanizing someone. And, 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 it, and it comes with also if you can blame someone's fate or the way that they live on them, like I said, then it's, it's, easier. An, it's an easier. It's easier to look at and blame. Like, like I said with this article I was reading. They were saying that, well, it's the black women's fault. They don't take care of themselves. Da, 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 they don't do these things. It's a much easier. That's that's a night and tight 
tidy way to like put the bow on top and say it's it, we don't have to look deeper you know what I mean we don't have to discover we don't have to go into the neighborhood of our local black people and say how have they lived what are their parents experiences mm-hmm. like you know what I mean like yeah. what maybe is there a bigger picture to to these health disparities yeah and you talk about Mengele, Mengele, I can't even say his Mengele, name, yeah. but let's not forget that in the United States that these things were backed mm-hmm. by our government. Mm-hmm. So you have what he did in um, in Germany, but then you have the Tuskegee experiment oh, yeah. in I don't the know United much about States. That. Yeah. So that was where they injected black men with syphilis oh, and didn't treat them at all Why would just they do to that? see... <laughs> It was called the Tuskegee uh, Syphilis Study, where in 1932, they, 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 um, it was called Tuskegee Study of Untreated Syphilis in Negroes, and backed by the U.S. government. And so for 40 years, they affected men, a black man with syphilis, for the sole purpose of watching them, watching how they deteriorate, watching how they die, and then dissecting their bodies. And so that is how black people were looked at in the, well, not just black people, um, poor people. <laughs> Um, and non-white people were looked at, specifically us, because we were targeted in some ways um, in the medical profession. And I find it really difficult, again, if a hospital is desegregated in, in 64, it's very difficult to say that some of that has gone from the educational portion of studies enough for it to be gone in the hospitals. Mm. So I just know we we have... We have work to do. Right. And these, the descendants of these folks are still like in hiding. Yeah, exactly. They don't want to be associated with the fact that, you know what, my, my grandfather had syphilis. He gave my grandmother syphilis. Because there's a stigma around it. Yeah. 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 And that study didn't end, didn't end until 1972. Wow. And I think Bill Clinton actually apologized for it when he was in office um, in saying that, you know, the United States government did these people wrong and so if we this is one main thing that we know that on a medical level again black people are more like experiments and which brings me to it's crazy because i said this several times to my counselors like i hate going to the doctor because i feel like i'm a lab rat every time i start with a new i say it all i just said it to my friend my nurse friend i was like you know i can't stand because i feel like a lab rat i feel like i'm just you're gonna just try some new medicine on me Mm -hmm. you're just gonna try yeah so I hate it. I yeah. actually hate going to the doctor. I don't blame you. It's the worst. Well, those and feelings are valid. That's what the whole article was saying. Mm-hmm. Is like going back to women were saying that they weren't believed, that they could just feel in their bones that, mm-hmm. that, that you know, the doctors weren't listening to them. Mm-hmm. You know, the doctors were um, treating them with their bias. And these women couldn't. It was insidious because these women were like, I know something is up here, kind of like you, you know. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm being discriminated against. I just can't put my finger on it. You can't put your- and, and what they're coming out and saying is, like, their studies just showing existing as a female African-American is extremely stressful. Yeah. Just yeah. by way of existing. Yeah, and I would imagine nowadays that that extends to just being poor in the society yeah. and saying that you need... You know, if I feel like I'm in pain and I am of low co- low income, and if I'm doubly, if I'm a if I'm a minority, looked at as I'm probably just trying to hawk for some pain right. pills. Right. You're probably just because I've been they accused, did say I've that. been accused of that. Really? Oh yeah. Wow. Yep. I just they like, did say that. They said there was another portion where they were when they were asking for like yeah drugs or et- for something from pain. Um, it was assumed that because if they were black or low, that they were one low income and then two on drugs. And drugs, yeah. Just based on what they look like. And the yeah, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. So have you ever had? I know you said you didn't grow up um, having it all, right? Mm-hmm. Have you ever had an instance where you went to the doctor and you felt like no, 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 not like that? I mean, I've always felt listened to for sure. For sure, yeah. That's why this was such a shock to me. Like, I can't really imagine that experience, you know, or what it's like to be treated as like a, like, or, or, or to have my health just looked down upon, like if I was suffering, that it was something I did wrong. Yeah. I think that was kind of, because you don't think about it. You, I think for me too, it's like, you think of, we think of, we put doctors and nurses and the whole healthcare professional on a pedestal, which we should, I'm not, not a pedestal, but, but yeah. of high regards. Higher, yeah. Higher ethical. Yeah. And yeah. Because uh, well, you just think of them as like their bottom line is they take the Hippocratic oath. They want to care. They want to take care of people like that. Do no harm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but what it reminds me of is that they're fallible just like yeah. just you know what I mean they're people so you like you always say your bias walks into the room with you yeah it just so even when you're caring for people it doesn't I don't know did it stop yeah died let me pause this and we're back and we're back yeah at least I don't know that but yeah mm. my brain stuck Oh, you just said your bias walks yeah, in the room before oh, yeah, you. Oh, yeah, you. I was like, no. Yeah. Yeah, your bias does walk in the room before you, and I think it's just important to remember that. And, and people are fallible. It doesn't give them an excuse. It's just it, racism shows up everywhere. Mm-hmm. And by not having to – and by blaming – you know, people of color for their health conditions or especially maternal, mm-hmm. maternal. Um, I believe that not identifying racism is a big reason that we deal with maternal, the disparity in maternal health mm-hmm. um, for black women. And I never thought about the stress of what it's like to live as a black person and that com- woman. And that comes from not having close friendships with women of color. Yeah, not being with people. that And a lot of white people have these stereotypes in their minds anyways and so then but we don't realize something i realized realized from doing this too is how dangerous stereotypes can be mm-hmm. that it, they can actually have real life impact yep i agree i was reading something that was talking about how does it actually how do these things actually show up in the doctors in the house's health and um, medical and health care system and they said there's four ways that it actually shows up and it hits on things that you've already said it's like the conceptual mm-hmm. uh, so that what people learn about racism and um, things that haven't been validated over time about one group of people being better than another right and then collectively so it's like uh, collective racial racial discrimination meaning having an actual shared, belief among your group of people about other groups so it's like okay i kind of know these things i'm sort of just based off of whatever and then now i get with people that collectively validate that and then three lived experience you go out in society and you see something that may validate those thoughts process and then group of people yeah yep and then or things you've seen in a medical setting Mm -hmm. or you've seen on tv right whatever it is and then it's the whole healthcare and medical institution that we know again if we walk it back to colonial united states or colonial, I say colonial mm-hmm. United States, but if we walk it back, that the institution was set up to have lower quality and quantity availability of healthcare to poor and minority people. Wow. So it, it's, these cards are stacked against, and I think it's difficult for sometimes um, European American people. Or, or, or not even them and even I think it's difficult for people who say that's just not true or don't believe in this because there are there are African American people who believe that you know well you know blacks they just don't take and I can't stand it when people can I say this mm-hmm. I don't like when people say blacks mm-hmm. yeah. like when you say the blacks I've been hearing that I think I've been triggered because people have been saying that I've been triggered a lot it's like the blacks yeah why do you say that anyway <laughs> it just I sounds it, it just sounds sound weird, weird. It does doesn't, it? Yeah, of course. I wouldn't say the whites are. Oh, shit, out there. That's what the, I was just gonna say. The whites. Although you do say the Asians. I say Asian yeah. people. Okay, I say I would say the Asians. The Asians. Uh huh. I said that. I don't know. You yeah. say the, the Asians. Asians? Uh huh. Or maybe not. Maybe the Asian population. Yeah, maybe not. I say Asians come in and they do. The this. blacks sound the worst. Well, I guess it does sound bad because I say Asians. Right. And black blacks. Or the black. That's what I'm saying. Like, you see, if you say Asians, it doesn't sound bad, as bad as the blacks. But I wonder if for Asian people it sounds oh, bad. Oh, could. Very much so could. I don't know. No, that's a good question. Yeah. But I know it just it kind of it sounds, sounds weird. weird. Yeah, yeah, it just sounds weird. But yeah, that, that we have a healthcare system that was not set up for non-white um, people or for poor people. Right. So Exactly. Those, so and so I think you could, I know we talk about race, but I think... This also, you brought up a good point. I could see this, and again, this is just about race, but I think I could see this being a class issue as well. I could see, yeah, I could see this impacting white people that are poor as well, mothers. Um, It has. Yeah, because they assume that they make poor life choices or that they're more likely to smoke and drink and, you know, not take care of themselves. Yeah. just because and it goes back to what you're saying it's dehumanizing people Mm -hmm. it's looking at them as less than so 
for whatever reason, if you were poor, that is a life choice that you made Mm -hmm. and you're keeping yourself in poverty because of your choices. Yes. And that dehumanizes you. And I will tell you that um, I cannot think of the court case where um, the young woman, it was was a poor white woman who first um, brought this to the table with why she was sterilized, like she was a poor white woman and Mm. they sterilized her and her case was brought to the Supreme Court. And um, I feel like I feel like we have to because I feel like there are people that that find their own. Can I, I would just say the statistics, you can find statistics to validate anything. It's true. You can, you can, you can find them to, to validate anything. And I'm thinking of uh, the person on your page um, that was saying like, hey, well, you, if, you, you don't, if you don't agree with the facts, then you just are fighting with your feelings. Anyone can find, you've said this before, you can find facts to validate right, anything, anything. Right, anything. But we can't debate court cases we can't right. do right bait um but um i'm gonna look it up the sterilization of um sterilization um oh they court case because it was really, to me, it was really, yep, Buck versus Bell. Um, Buck versus Bell that led to the forced. Mm. <laughs> you get it, you get it. And I think that there's a, I think there's a whole podcast on eugenics. I think there's a whole one on yeah. <laughs> that the Supreme Court case uh, that led to 70,000 forced sterilizations. Oh, my God. Based off of what? And that was here in our state, right? Uh, so it was centered around a girl named Carrie Buck, who was from Virginia. Um, so uh, and it, it ties back into eugenics, but it was saying that during that, the victims uh, were state sterilization who included people labeled mentally deficient, as well as those who were deaf, blind, or diseased. Wow. Minority and poor people or promiscuous men, women were often targeted. Oh that was a U.S. Supreme That's Court. everybody. Look, in 1927, that was a U.S. Supreme Court decision wow. voted on eight to one that the states have the right to forcibly to sterilize a Everything person. that we ever talk about is like the inequality of certain, you know what I mean? It's and that's what racism is, you know, yeah. and that's what that's what bias is, um, and we have to realize. I think the important thing to realize is that it's still very much so in our, the fabric of every everywhere. Yes, that we have work to do at with all the ism, classism, racism, sexism, you know, and and, and it's easy to say that America is the land of equality and for the free, but. You, but then you have to look at history and realize, mm, but is it? Mm-hmm. And and to put put it on a plate for me, is that a lot of these things were controlled by a certain demographic of people that were not women, (laughs) that were not the people that it was happening to. Yeah, exactly. So there have been people at the table. So when you look at um, um, people being upset with one white man over time, and and again, you have to remember that it it wasn't all of them. Let's just, Mm -hmm. it wasn't all of them, but that frustration with them being in positions of power to make uh, decisions for everybody is not healthy. It hasn't been healthy for our, for for the morality of our nation. Mm-hmm. And so this is why we're at a point where I feel like, yes, we're diversifying. Are we diverse enough? But we need those voices at the table to bring in level of understanding of disabilities, of of being poor, of being That's a minority. The importance of intentional diversity. Yes. And so when you see, I, I and I think we'll talk about activism hear later that this is a part of it, but medically know that our institutions were not set up to support poor, mentally disabled minority people. That's exclusively and as individuals or as as a whole. Wow. Just wasn't set up that way. I learned a lot in this episode. Yeah. Like I learned... I just was not aware of any of this. This was something that was like, yeah, I'm glad you brought it to the table. Yeah, it was not on my radar at all. And I think the, again, it's going to those statistics, but the ones about the disparities in health, I mean, they were saying like the the disparity between mother maternal health was one of the highest ones, Mm -mm. Um, one of the highest disparities amongst races. Yeah. So this really is an important 
um, story. And I think it's one of those stories that it's not going to make headlines, obviously, because it's like, how can you, you can't really, it's it's difficult to prove something specifically, you know what I mean? Yeah. Based on, you know yeah, what I mean? Proof. Yeah. It, like it's, it's, and it's important and they're just starting. And that's the thing is like, they're studying, the government is starting to study um, that like the what it looks like to have implicit bias in that's healthcare. a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing, and that's what I was gonna say. Is like I think that's so my what, so now what now. Yeah, yeah. you're always on my same page. I think that's my so what now. What is like? Yes, we've gone a very long time, and this mm-hmm. is overdue. But I think it's important to look at bias across the board. That's my big one. Is like just beyond. Like so, if if bias impacts people in the healthcare field, what is how does it? in housing how in government you know what i mean when and when white people have been predominantly in charge yeah how is that impact implicit bias how has it impacted the lives of people of color mm-hmm. and i'd echo that is that we if you don't want to find if you if you if you are looking for a way to find truth then look in the policies of the united states over time yeah because again Studies can tell you whatever you want. They can validate whatever side you're on. Doesn't matter what, pick a side and you'll find somebody who's who can give you a statistic that works for, you. for your narrative. But if you look at policies and court cases and those sort of things that cannot be, we can't, we can't manipulate the fact that eight to one, they decided that, you know, we, there, that's no... There's no manipulating that. There's no changing that <laughs> yep. to make it work for however you want. Is that I think that's how we bring I think that's how we bring more people to the table with an understanding of our foundation and these systems more so than will studies say this, this, and this. At least that's what I'm learning. And that's what I learned from our last um uh, this journey that we're taking. Is yeah. that there'll always be a rebut. So so what? If you want to know more. Look at look at the policies and look at how they were written and how they've evolved yeah. over time. Challenge the way you think. Yep, and, and challenge um, stereotypes that you have. And that yeah, that's my so what now what I think. That's good. I think we'll be in a better place if we're able to really get to what our foundation looks like mm-hmm. as a country. Rather yeah, you have than, to strip away the layers. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Some ugly truths. Yeah, some ugly truths. But then, again, there's always positive because we're moving forward. We're aware of it, even if we're inching forward. Yes, it's my favorite Disney movie what? is Meet the Robinsons. I've never seen that one. Keep moving forward. That's all we got to do. Yes, keep moving forward. That's all we got to do, guys. Well, we also want you to stay open. Stay, stay curious. curious. And make it a great day. <laughs> we said it together. <laughs> Be sure to like. Subscribe, rate, and review. You know that's what we need you to do. Go ahead and like, subscribe, and rate, and review. Are you going to do that after each one? (laughs) They're just going to start doing that to get you to be quiet. Just got to do it. I'll just keep doing that every episode until (laughs) Until people actually rate, review. Rate and review. Check us out. Thanks, guys. Take care. to our sponsor, Pop Culture Gourmet Popcorn. Ding!